this day, thank you that we could be here together in your house and worshiping you and thinking about you in this Christmas season. We love you, Lord. Bless our time together and just speak to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Yes, it is. That is my favorite. How'd you guess? We're going to talk about joy to the world today. It was not written as a Christmas carol. We sing it only at Christmas time. It has kind of, that's how it's kind of happened over the years. But the man who wrote it, Isaac Watts, he did not write it as a Christmas carol. He just wrote, he just wrote lots and lots and lots of songs. He was a songwriter. He had, as a matter of fact, he would, he would go to church and they would sing out, they would open the book, they would open their Bible and they would sing out of the Psalms. Or they had a, a book that had the Psalms in it, and they would just sing the Psalms. Kind of like, and it was monotone, that's right. I mean, people write a lot of songs today, too, and use the Psalms, don't they? A lot of the words come right out of the Psalms, if you, read, if you go back and look. And he said, he, he said it was scandalous doggerel. He thought it was the most horrible thing that they sang. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't musical. He didn't like it at all. So... One day, one day, when he was complaining about how awful the, what they sang was, one of the men in the church said to him, well, why don't you produce something better? Why don't you write something better? And so he started to write. And he, he literally wrote, I, I think he wrote thousands, thousands of songs after that. He had, he had a real gift. And, of course, one of them was joy, was joy to what we know is joy to the world, the Lord has come. And it comes out of it, 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 it comes out of Psalm 98. So let's turn to Psalm 98 this morning. We're going to look at Psalm 98. All right, Psalm 98, a song of praise to the Lord for His salvation and judgment. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. And that's what Isaac Watts. That's the name of the man who wrote who wrote Joy to the World. Isaac Watts. See, now you learned something already, right? Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. And that's what he started to do, sing new songs. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. And that's, that, that was prophetic, and that is what happened. Eventually, salvation was known was he came to make his blessing flow for as the curse is found, right? It says that in that song. And he revealed his salvation through Jesus Christ. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And although it, and even at that time, even when the psalmist wrote this, you have to remember that God used Israel, the nation of Israel, as an example to the world of what, of, of who he was. And he brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out after many plagues. Remember the plagues? And the last one was that the firstborn son in every family was killed, and then he opened the Red Sea for them and got them out. And the nations, that, that, that news traveled. You have to think. I mean, in, the, in those days, they didn't have newspapers and radios and TVs. So, but 
but as as people went from place to place, they would tell. They would tell it, it tell it, and they would go go to the market square, and they would say, "You listen, what happened? Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what happened? The, the people, the slaves in Egypt were free, are free, and they're they went to the Red Sea, and the miracle of the sea, you know, it opened and." And it says that when the Israelites, 40 years later, finally got out into the promised land where they had to fight their enemies, their enemies had all heard about the God who had delivered them from slavery. So you see what I'm saying? The word spread. And God was trying to use Israel as an example to the world to show them what a, how powerful and what a good God he was. And so it was already true as far as the psalmist was concerned, but how much more true it became as the years went by. Shout joyfully. Here we have the joy to the world part. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. All right, then it says, let the sea roar and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands and let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the people with equity. And when you think about it, about the, the earth, you know, sometimes we don't connect the fact, well, sometimes we do. I mean, we do because we love the Lord. But a lot, oftentimes people don't realize that the creation, the sea roaring, the, the waves breaking on the shore is, pray, is praise to God. God sees it as, as praise to him. And this wild wind we have, you know, all the trees are, are clapping their hands and praising God. <laughs> Maybe a nutty way to look at it. But it says, that's what it says, that the, the hills are joyful together before the Lord. I always love to drive... In this area, you see the, the hills, they're so pretty. And really, you always just think, oh, God, what a beautiful world you made. And it does. It, it fills your heart with joy and thanksgiving. And so even creation and all of the different things that we have in creation, when you really start to study it, somebody was just telling me yesterday that they went down to Kentucky to a new um, creation um, museum that they have or something down there. And, um, well, you know, when you start to really study about the, the, any little creature, an ant, uh, any, it doesn't matter what it is, or the big dinosaurs, or the rhinoceros, or elephants, or, or whatever, when you start to study all the stuff, and how God set within them their instincts, and how they recreate, and, and uh, how they survive, and like some some fish swim upstream, which should, they shouldn't even be capable of doing, and and you know all kinds of stuff. The birds, look at the birds. The birds get together in the sky somehow, and they fly south at the right moment. And, <laughs> you know, it's like okay, <laughs> yeah. So so God is really, you know, when we see that, we just see God. You have to say, wow. God, that, you know, your creation, it praises you, and, and it should fill our hearts with joy, because we have such a God, I mean, imagine, he could have made the animals all the same, they could have all looked like dogs, or donkeys, or, or horses, that he didn't have to make a, gir- a giraffe, and he, and he didn't have to make, you know, you know what I'm saying, he could have made it all the same, 
He could have made the, everything black and white or gray or beige or... <laughs> Think how dull and boring that would be if everything was just beige. I like beige in the right places, but, <laughs> you know, not the whole world. Not my whole house. <laughs> Look at that nice bright orange wall. <laughs> we would be missing that if he didn't give us color, right? Yeah, so... You know, we have a God that has a sense of humor, for sure. And you just have to look at the animals to figure that one out. And <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to go there, but... <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was trying to be kind. <laughs> he kind of captures that, doesn't he? He captures it that we have a joyful God, and he loves to hear us rejoice and thank him and praise him and joy in what he has given us and you know it's so much more accurate of what we should be celebrating as um, Christmas I mean Christmas is really as really um, just a secular thing that came from heathen I think from pagan from pagan festivals and stuff it's really not um, something that was born out of the church and, and, and stuff but that's okay because, I mean, you know, we use it as an opportunity to celebrate our king and to, to worship him. And, it, 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 you know, we're certainly not uh, pagan and going to be worried about that stuff. But we, we use it as an opportunity to focus on him. And, and if we do that, then we honor him. We want to honor him in every part of our living, don't we? And, you know, we talked about this a little bit, I think, last, last week, how, you know, Christmas has gotten so... Um, commercialized, and it's all about stuff and more stuff, and and all and and all of that. We know that that's that's not our focus. Our focus is that we have a wonderful Savior who came to redeem us, and it gives us an opportunity to thank Him once again and to share that with people in different ways, in different shapes, in different forms. So I'm going to read you the words, and we're going to talk about the words a little bit here. Joy to the world! The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Now, we know that the, in John it says that he came to his own, and his own received him not. What a sad, sad verse. That, that verse always hurts my heart. I always think, wow, you know, if you went to a strange land, you don't expect to be um, totally accepted, etc., etc. But when you come to your own people and your own home and where you grew up and the people who you know or who you are part of, you expect to be received, don't you? And you expect to be welcomed. And Jesus came to his own, it says, and his own received him not. Wow, you know, I mean, they had to, we, we saw, you know, we read his words to the scribes and Pharisees. He said, woe to you hypocrites, you know, um, scribes and Pharisees, you do this, you do that, you do the other thing, you know. And, and we read that, but, but I think, you know, we forget that, that that was a grief to him. That was a grief to his heart that they were so far away in their hearts from where they needed to be. And he was trying. They should have got it. If anybody in the world should have got who he was and responded in a positive manner, it should have been them because they were the ones who had the scriptures, the old scriptures. They were the ones who studied it, who should have known, and they did know that a Messiah was coming. But they were so stuck on their own their own traditions and their own ways and their own stuff and themselves that they couldn't 
they couldn't accept the good news of the gospel. And so I'm sure that that was a grief to his heart to see that, you know, the ones he was hoping would get it, they didn't get it. So we don't want to be among those, do we? We want to be among those that say, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for you, and I'll make more room for you. I'll just keep making more room for you. And that's something that comes to my heart every Christmas season. I always think, yes, Lord, I want there to be more room in my heart for you. Just grow my heart so that there's more room in my heart for you. Just expand me. You know, in the Old Testament, we have that verse that says, expand your borders. You know, make the tent bigger, so to speak, you know. Well, it's kind of a funny picture. But God can do that for us on the inside. Good morning. He can grow us and expand us. And then he can fill us more. And that's the purpose. We want there to be so much of Jesus inside of us that he just kind of bursts forth out of us all over the place. And that would be a beautiful thing. And instead of people seeing us, they see him. And that's that's the goal. That's what we're in this for. So that we get more and more filled with him. Let earth receive her king. And so let us be those who say yes. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. So there he's combining the two thoughts that as we prepare him room in our hearts, we join in with nature, that the nature that shouts out that God is good and alive. That's He created it for, right? He created it to, to, to say, I am a good God. And it, he created us for that too, right? So that we will shout out to the world too that he's a good God and that he's alive and he's in us. And so we just want to keep on, we just want to use this holiday season as busy as we may be or whatever else we're doing. We can still have that prayer in our heart. Lord, today, I just want you to be shining out of me, bursting forth inside of me so that others will say, Christ is alive. There's a real God. I see a real God inside of you. Joy to the earth, and, and as we, and as uh, I express, I've expressed a number of times recently. The neat part is that that happens through each of us in our own separate ways, through our personality, the way God has made us, and in the places that He has put us. And always remember that the, you know, sometimes we think, well, if I was in that person's shoes, or if I was there, then I could, then I would, my life would be worth something, and I would be a blessing. And we gotta lose that. That's just garbage. That's just the devil trying to make us feel like we have, are not worth. And that's not true. Every one of us, in the place that God has put us, we are valuable. No one else can do what you can do. I cannot come into your place. I cannot switch places with you and be you. And you cannot switch places with me and be me. You, God has placed you, and you are precious to him in the place that he has placed you. And all that God asks of us is in the places where he's placed us that we be faithful and we be true and we allow him to be poured through us in whatever way, shape, or form that he, he wants to do that through us. So we just be faithful. And it takes the strain off. We don't have to be like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing enough. I don't know if, you know, I measure up. I don't know, you know. We don't have to. It takes the strain off of that. Just in the place, you know, grow where you're planted. You know, it it sounds trite, but it's not. It's the truth. In the place where you are, be the best you can be and allow God to just flow through every move, every action, everything, every thought, everyone. And when we fall short, which we do, 
We don't give up and we say, oh, see, I'm useless. I'll never make it. I can't do it. No, we have his help. And we just say, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't do so great there. I, forgive me. Help me. Help me to do better. Help me to represent you better. I don't want others looking at me to be disappointed in you. And as we, as we, as we honestly walk with him in relationship like that, he does wonderful things. He does things that are so far beyond. Haven't you ever in your life heard somebody say, Oh, you know, I'll never forget. Long time ago, you did this, this, this. No, and you're like, me? I don't remember. <laughs> you know? But what was that? What is? What are they actually saying? What they're actually saying is that something that you did or said, they were touched in their heart by Jesus Christ, by, by God in you, by what you did or, or something in that moment, God shone through. It wasn't us. We know that. It wasn't about us. If, if they, they don't remember. You know, we don't remember. We don't remember just stuff. What, we can't hardly remember what we did yesterday. Never mind, right? Okay? <laughs> well, I was trying to be kind, Carol. <laughs> but, you know, when you have a moment, you have, you have something in your mind that stands out in your, in your memory, of some place where someone was kind to you or something, some moment in time that's like crystallized forever where it was just a God moment. It was God. It wasn't the person. It wasn't the, it wasn't so much, you know, the, the other stuff. If you really, if you really boil it all down and take off all the fluff and all the glitter and all the other stuff, it was a God moment where God stepped into that situation and used that person to touch your heart. And that's really what Christmas is about. Us reaching out and touching the lives of people in ways that they'll never forget. And that's how God wants to use us. All right, we'll go on here. Joy to the earth. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Now, he came, and he came as a babe in a manger, didn't he? But you know what? He's not in the manger anymore. He's seated at the Father's right throne. And when he returns, he's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we need to get it in our, you know, so, you know, it's easy for people. I think it's easier for people to connect with the baby in the manger because a baby doesn't threaten you in any way, shape, or form. You know, a baby is cute and cuddly and sweet and, you know, it's not, it's not a threat. But when you talk about a king, uh-oh, then everybody's defenses go up, right? Because king means leadership, rulership, right? It means they're subjects, and we are his subjects. And we need to allow him to be king. He is king. And we need to, we need to allow him to be king in our lives on a daily basis and follow his leadership, not just rule our own lives. He came to rule and, in our hearts and lives. Okay, so now he brings in the, the nature again. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. In other words, you have that echo thing going on. You know, did you ever stand somewhere and you could shout out, hello, and you get you hear the echo come back, <laughs> right? Kind of neat, right? Well, you know, when again, when the wind blows and the earth, the, the thunder claps and the lightning strikes, kind of got that echo thing going on, don't you? Repeat the sounding joy. And so we want to re- keep on, on repeating it. We don't want to stop, ever stop. We don't want to ever stop. 
Sometimes we need to hear it. You know, I've, I've learned that over the years. You think, you, you think, oh, I said that once. And then you hear somebody and they, they have no clue. So you go, well, I guess I could say it again. <laughs> we need to hear things over and over, don't we? And then eventually where it catches on. We get it. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. I want us to look at a few verses here because this is a good thought. You remember back in the Garden of Eden? What happened after Adam and Eve sinned? What, what did, and, and God came and looking for them. What, what happened to the earth? The Lord said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. And that a lot of people take to mean that snakes used to have feet and that they walked on. And they say when you dissect a snake, it has it, what look like could be feet kind of tucked in there. So that's interesting. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded you, cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? So, you know, we, we, it's easy to read the story and, you know, we know they did wrong. But the ground, the earth, was cursed. At that time, it didn't have thorns. Did you ever think about that? It didn't have thorns prior to. Yes, right. no, weeds. no weeds, right? It just yielded good fruit and good yes. things and, and yes. things that were edible and, and for benefit. And so that curse came upon all the earth. And our earth is still under that curse, isn't it? It hasn't been, hasn't been set free from that yet. Yes. It's hard to grow things, isn't it? You have to work hard. You have to put those poles in. You have to <laughs> weed. You have to fertilize. You have to feed things, right? You have to take care of them. It takes, takes some work and takes some effort. Well, here it says that he came to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. And then there were other things in the Old Testament. It says in, um, wait a minute, I'm going to read that to you here in a minute too. Um, in Deuteronomy, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And so the, everything was under this curse, the terrible curse, and Jesus came to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. And that removes the curse, doesn't it? When we come to him and we believe in him, we come under his blessing instead of under, under cursing. We don't want to be under a curse, right? That's horrible. It's a horrible thought. And we have some other wonderful verses in Galatians. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Okay? And then going on, as a matter of fact, maybe we'll go to Galatians. That's Galatians 3. Okay, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, cursed is everyone who does not continue, but, it, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. We, I mean, that's, that, that's what we were saying before. Well, not quite, but the Israelites, when they came out of, out of Egypt and God took them out into the wilderness, he gave them law, didn't he? And could they live that? Could they keep that? Could they keep the law? They couldn't keep the law. They could try. They could try hard. 
They couldn't do it. So they would bring animals to substitute for their sin. They couldn't do it. The law, Paul says in another place, the law was a school teacher that showed them that they didn't measure up, that they failed, that they fell short. It was Jesus Christ that brought grace and truth, right? And he said, no, you can't keep the law. I can, he kept the law for us, and then because we believe in him, he gives us his righteousness. So, hallelujah. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does, who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This was one of the reasons that the Jews had such a hard time believing, and even to this day, that Jesus was the Messiah. Because the law said, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so they never felt that Messiah would, never, would, not, would not be killed in such a fashion. Could not, he could not be cursed of God. And, but Jesus took the curse so that we wouldn't have to bear the curse, so that we wouldn't be under the curse. Wow, that gives us a lot to rejoice about, doesn't it, when we think about that. He became the curse for us. So we have such a wonderful Savior. Um, then in Zechariah we have the verse that says, Then he said to me this, The curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth, for every one that stealeth shall be cut off. So again, you know, again, there was that curse thing going on. And the Old Testament ends with the word curse. Did you know that? And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That's the last word of the Old Testament. And when we get to the New Testament, he comes to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. He removes the curse. He takes it away so that we can live under the blessing and the favor of God. And I always say this. We don't understand what it was like to live prior to the cross under that condemnation and no access and pushed away and with, with the obstacles in between. The best you could do is bring a lamb and kill it and make a bloody sacrifice and transfer your sins onto the animal's head. And it didn't, it didn't do anything for in here. It didn't, it didn't cleanse your conscience. It didn't make you feel like you had been absolved from sin. Yeah, they said the words, but it wasn't doing anything for your heart. And so, you know, we are so fortunate to live this side of the cross and to understand what it means to feel forgiven and to know that our sins are gone and that we're not under the curse and that we're not waiting to be judged for all our wrongdoing and for all our failings and for all the things that we have um, not done right. Praise God. And then Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. And that's what we can do because the curse has been removed. We could never do that, could we? When people are persecuting us and cursing us, it's not so easy to be nice to them, is it? But we can do that. Jesus said, pray for them that curse you and despitefully use you. And we can do that because he's removed the curse for us. And then in Revelation, we have, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. No more curse. When we get to heaven, that's all over, and even this sin-cursed earth, and that'll be over, right? So the last verse says, He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. And that is a wonderful love, isn't it? and wonders of his love. And so, um, may we rejoice in this Christmas season in the wonders of his love and all he's done and purchased for us that we're not under that curse and share it, share it, share it and make more room in our hearts for him 
as we go through this season. And, uh, you know, uh, another one I, I love that says, it came upon a midnight clear, and it says, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Oh, I've got to read it to you because it's my testimony. Wait a minute. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful step and slow. Look now for glad and golden hours. Come quickly, on the, swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. And the older I get, the more true it gets. <laughs> so, as this old poem goes, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Take a rest. <laughs> Take a rest and get refueled and try to enjoy, try to enjoy all that God has done for us and enjoy the season. And may God bless us. Hallelujah, everyone. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. We truly have so much cause to rejoice and to be full of joy at this season. We just help, help us, Lord, not to lose our focus on and get sidetracked with all the trappings, but help us, Lord, to just keep our eyes fixed on you and to share you in the places and the corners where you have placed us, that you will be recognized and that more people will find you at this Christmas season than ever before. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.